You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 3800 Marlton Pike, Pensacon, New Jersey. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. So yesterday I went out in the freezing rain to, to walk this neighborhood because I had this idea that I wanted to help us see things differently. So I went out into the neighborhood and I had planned to do this on Saturday didn't plan the rain. <laughs> um, but I walked around anyways, it was real slippery, and I walked down to the corner to see if I could see anything new. And I walked around, you know, the corner right here where the Dunkin' Donuts is at, and the Checkers is at, and Speedway, and the two other gas stations, and the Foreman Mills, and the McDonald's, and the Papa John's. Uh, you know, my life is defined by uh, chains, apparently. But, ooh, I think I have like powerful reverb sounds. This is good. Because look, there's a beacon of hope. I love, I did not plan that reverb, but it's awesome. <laughs> did you know that there is a beacon guiding people to us here at 3800 Marlton Pike? Look at it in the rain last night. It's beautiful. A beacon, a light, a guide. Jesus said we were the light of the world. So we can claim this one, right? It's called Beacon because it's on, on Beacon Ave. It's the little street that I'm standing on from which I'm taking this picture over there off of 130. And, but I, I think that it's called Beacon because it's for us. This is our beacon. You can tell your friends when they're, when they're coming north on, on 130, if, if they pass the beacon, uh, hang a right on Beacon Ave because you missed your turn and you can create your own little jug handle there by going right on Beacon and then right on Roosevelt. All right, you know this? You've never driven around this block, many of you, but know that it's there. If you miss the jug handle, the beacon will tell you where to go. Follow the beacon. I wanna, I, I'm trying to reappropriate beacon auto collision. And they're great guys, by the way. One time, our neighbor accidentally backed his truck into my car, and he sent me over to beacon to get the whole door repaired, and the door was fine. It was great. It was slightly the wrong color, but I told him I didn't care. But really what I want to do is I want to go to a place that's familiar and see if I can turn my filters off. Because, you know, this is how we work, right? I think your, your brain might explode if it didn't have these filters. You know, one of the beautiful things your brain does is that it's able to filter things out. Otherwise, it would be system overload at all times. But occasionally it's good to, to shed those layers and see something new. You know, I think that's the kind of people that, that God is calling us to be is to see the new thing that's happening. And it's really hard for something new to happen when you're in the same old place. It's much, that's why people go on mission trips, because they need to go somewhere new to see the new creation. They need to be in a new environment where God is doing something new that's a lot like what he's doing back at home. When I went uh, and lived in Mexico for a while, I ended up with a family that was exactly like my family, you know? And I was like, wow, God's really working. Um, I, it, it took me a little bit later to realize, oh yeah, Ophelia's like my dad. And uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was fun to see that. Um, so when we get out of our routine, you know, right, right we're, we, we can see something new. And I saw this beacon as a beacon to the whole region uh, that, that Circle of Hope is here. Because you know that Circle of Hope is right in the middle of everything in this area, right? This is the map. And let, let me show you how all roads lead to our beacon. Here we are. We're Circle of Hope because that's what we do. So, uh, 130 north, 130 south, 38, 70, 
white horse pike, black horse pike, 42, 55, uh, 47, and 45. They all lead right to the beacon of Circle of Hope, the light that we're shining. All these roads and the whole region moves in. But don't forget, also Camden, uh, this is uh, our street. Marlton Pike turns into State uh, Street in, uh, in Camden. It'll get you right into North Camden, 27th Street, straight shot from Kramer Hill. And Kane Avenue, who cuts all the way across town, can get you to Pollock or um, another part of, of downtown really easily. Don't get stuck on taking Admiral Wilson Boulevard. It's annoying, but that's there too. We bought this building, this old firehouse, which keeps getting more and more and more better thanks to John and Ryan and the rest of the team, the people and their volunteers, um, because of this potential that, uh, look, it's all right there in the middle of everything. We, we wanted to uh, bring everyone together from everywhere on this map, uh, and we thought that this was the place to do it, and I still think that it is. Plus, we sent our outposts out to this, this whole swath of people, our cells, and they're scattered throughout. Pretty evenly distributed right now, thanks to Bryce Hewitt, who even made a strategy map about where, where we need cells, and he made me go and plant a cell. Uh, the idea was Maple Shade. I ended up in Cherry Hill. We're doing our best, right, Ann? <laughs> it's close. It's in the direction he wanted us to go because we wanted people to be able to get in from all these different places because not only because uh, it's a big region of people that are looking for Jesus, but also because... Uh, we think that it's, it's our, uh, our mission to bring these people together. Um, so, uh, Mr. Mr. Beacon Auto Collision, uh, I'm sorry, but that beacon is for us. I'm just, I'm just changing it up. It's kind of silly to, uh, to just say that that's our thing, and of course it isn't. But let's make it our thing, you know? And now that I've told you that, that, that Beacon Auto Repair is a beacon for Circle of Hope, everyone here, whenever you see it, You'll probably remember that I said that thing, and you might remember that you're the light of the world, and you might remember that you might remember that Circle of Hope is at the center of South Jersey, even though it's right on the edge of it. But everything leads to it, you know, because we're right next to Camden and Philly. Everything is kind of pushing in our direction, and that's the way we like it. Because you know, you know how it is. Once you see something, um, you kind of can't unsee it. It just it just kind of keeps. This is this is one of, a good thing about our brain. The pattern kind of goes like. Have you ever seen those pictures? I didn't, I didn't get any examples on, on Instagram, though. Like, they, they take a picture in, of, of something, and, and it's like just random industrial design, but it looks like a face. And now every time you look at that thing, it's a face. Um, I can't think of anything like that. Can you, can you name one that, that, that always looks like that? Justin? Uh, that, that really common cutout of the nativity scene that looks like two T-Rexes fighting over a sunrise. Yes. <laughs> Do you know this? Like, you Mary and Joseph praying on either side. But their hands and their heads actually are forming like T Rex mouths. Yeah. yeah. You switch the negative spaces. Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's a disaster. Yeah. You can't keep Jesus in the season because now it's T Rexes and a sunrise. Um, uh, yeah. So once you once you see something, I'm hoping that that this this Technicolor map here that connects hundreds of thousands of people will be pushing us towards. Uh, pushing them towards uh, joining into our mission of reconciliation. And, and, and Christ is compelling us into a, a rhythm of community where we can express God's love and, and live a life on mission as ministers of reconciliation. If we can unite this diverse and sometimes very divided region, I think we'll be doing that splendidly.
We have a great opportunity here on our map to be a beacon. Uh, have you ever thought of yourself as a minister of reconciliation? Has that, has, is that a word that is ever, you've ever taken as your own? I want you to, so let me talk about it for a bit. Even an ambassador of reconciliation? How about that? You an ambassador of the kingdom of God? Uh, that's how Paul sees himself and the churches that he's writing to in the New Testament, uh, like he's writing to here in, first, in 2 Corinthians 5. Will someone read that out loud for us? So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, new creation, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Paul says that you're Christ's ambassadors. God is making an appeal through us to the whole region. Be reconciled to God. And this reconciliation is not just another something that we have to do. It's a something that has been done. Our reception of it is a matter of our saying yes to what Jesus did for us. And then whoever is in Christ, new creation. I love the Greek grammar of that verse, and I changed the NIV so that it was in all caps there. Because there's no verb for the new, it says, it says in the NIV, the new creation has come. But that's not there. It's almost just like an expletive, but a good one. You know, he just, a new creation. You know, it's bubbling up out of him. I, I, I like to read it that way. It might have just been bad grammar. Paul's first language was not Greek. I don't care. Uh, because I, 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 I like, I, I imagine that's how Paul was, that he was that excitable about the new thing that God was doing in the world. So I'm applying it to a grammar point that might not be true. And I'm not a Greek expert, so whatever. Um, whoever is in Christ, anybody, no matter where you've been or no matter where you're coming from, uh, you are a new creation. Bam! Slap it on you. New creation. Uh, Paul is excited. Because he lived in a very stratified, divided world, just like ours. And Christ is making something brand new. For goodness sake, Paul is a Hebrew from Tarsus, riding from somewhere else in the Mediterranean to this town in Corinth that he just happened into. Uh, and a church was formed. And you know, he's just getting blown around the whole Mediterranean by the Spirit, and then stuff is happening. And, 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 and people are being united that have no business being united. People are coming together in Corinth that don't belong together, and Paul never belonged there in the first place. In Acts 18, which is where we see the story of the, the Corinthian church being planted, and like everything in Acts, it's very sparse. But if you, if you, if you look at it, you see what's happening, and, and these are the details that I want you to, to, to remember. He, he meets up with Priscilla and her husband Aquila in Corinth, and they have just been expelled from their home in Pontus in Italy because the emperor said, no more Jews in Italy. So they got kicked out. And so Paul's like, Paul teams up with them, not because they're going to be church planters with him, but because they both make tents. That's how it gets started. They're co-workers. You know, they're hanging out, they're making tents, whatever that involves, I don't know, sewing fabric together and 
you ever think about you know like what is what is a tent maker? And like what do you what do you do? Are you making, I guess, canvas cloth and. I don't know. I don't know exactly what a tent maker does, but that was Paul's profession. It was also Priscilla and Aquila's profession. And then they end up planting this church in Corinth, but not with not not with the Jewish population there. This is also in Acts 18. Paul uh, goes to, this is his custom, he goes to the synagogue because there are people spread all over the Mediterranean who are Jewish because they got kicked out of their homeland and they've just been kind of wandering around. And, you know, Israel's never been the same, so I'm not sure I even need to go back there. Um, and that the, the temple that's there was built by some essentially pagan ruler. So it's, it's not even like people are, people are chilling all over the place. They're kind of, they're kind of separated from their homeland. And uh, he, he finds these Jews all over the Mediterranean, and he's trying to convince them that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the sent one from God. Jesus fulfills the prophecies of the Old Testament. This is his main play for evangelism at this point, is saying this is what we need to do. Uh, Jews, my fellow countrymen, I'm, I'm coming to you as your brother. Listen to me. They don't listen to him, though. So he goes next door to a Gentile's house, and then the church blows up. You know, And by blow up, I mean it got to about our size. <laughs> you know, It became a congregation of about 100 people. That, that's what uh, biblical historians think is going on in Corinth. So all these people coming together now, uh, Gentiles with these Jewish leaders, probably other Jews that didn't, you know, get with the synagogue uh, rulers that had kicked Paul out, um, people that have been expelled from their homeland, uh, people that are already in this diaspora across the whole Mediterranean. Everybody's coming together, and uh, they're, they're trying to be the body of Christ. And that's what Paul's trying to convince them to do. Something happened that compelled them to form this body and to keep uh, holding it together, even in Paul's absence. And Paul is writing to them and, sa- and, and giving them advice. And, and helping them to be who they're called to be. And Paul, uh, you know, he, what, what he writes to them is what they need to hear. Let's just take that to heart. Like, he's not just randomly writing, like, rules. He's not, he's not coming up with this out of, out of nowhere. Like, uh, you need to, you know, not regard one another from a worldly point of view. You know, that's not, that's not a random thing that he's coming up. He's writing this to them because they are regarding each other from a worldly point of view. Think anytime you're reading Paul, one of Paul's letters, think about it that way. Because they're so different, okay? You, he didn't say the same thing over and over again because he's talking to people that he knows and loves. He lived in Corinth for 18 months. I still talk to the people that I, li- I lived in Mexico for 11 months. I still talk to them all the time. You know, these, these are people that, uh, that he loved, okay? And, and he knew what they were working with and he got reports from them and they were having trouble considering one another as the world does. This was the problem. They're, they're defaulting back to their stratified, separated ways. And how natural is that, right? You know, it just comes naturally to just do things the way you've always done them. To actually be a new creation in Christ requires you to keep trying. I, I tell my kids all the time, you, you, if you want to be kind, you have to do it on purpose. You know, you, you, won't, you won't be kind <laughs> unless you try. It's, it, it's like that here. If you're going to be the new creation, you're going to have to try at it. But you're not trying to make it out of nothing. This is the best part about it. You don't have to make the new creation. You get to practice it. You get to be it. You get to live into something that God has made in you and with us. And that takes the weight off so that we don't have to just be making our own new thing all the time. But we get to imagine it. We get to walk to the corner where everything's the same and see it anew, you know? 
So I think Paul's inviting us here to walk to the corner of your life, wherever that is. Could be your heart. You could be doing some internal work. It could be your neighborhood. You could be trying to connect to people that you don't know, yet know. Or, or it could be like just uh, the beauty. You know, there, there might be a bird in that bush, you know, that you, that you need to um, see and hear. Walk to the corners and see things new. Open your eyes up to seeing things differently. I think that's what practicing the new creation is all about. Because we know what it's like to default back to our normal patterns, right? We know what it's like to just kind of go back to the way things are, the worldly perspective. Um, and Because, like, for example, these lines. Oh, I, I forgot to tell you. This, Corinth is also at a crossroads, just like us at 3800 Marlton Pike. See, it's right on the, 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 the isthmus here that connects the northern part of, of Greece and the southern part of Greece. But now I'm putting our, our map right on top of it because these lines that, that we experience as, as connecting this whole region, that's how, I'm, that's how I'm painting these lines here, they actually, you know, the way things are, the worldly thing that those, world, that those lines do is they separate people, all right? Like some of, the, some of these roads, like, 42 and 676 actually physically divide the landscape. Like you can't get across them except at designated points. Uh, in, you know how highways work? I was up in Banff, Canada, and they have, uh, they have this one big highway that goes through and they have tons of overpasses that are just green on top so that the animals can get across. They have animal, animal bridges to get, a, to get across the highway. We're actually separating the ecosystem from itself. Um, that, that's kind of what we did because we designed this place just for cars. It was the 50s, you know? Uh, when was six, does anyone know when 676 was built? Eh, I'm guessing the 70s, you know? We weren't, we, we didn't figure it out yet. John, you're probably our best bet. No, no, I'm not saying he remembers, no. I'm just saying he knows about stuff. <laughs> Was, and was already it was already a big highway. South freeway was 1942 before that. Uh, okay. 1964. All right. 1964. Thank you, Google. <laughs> um, these lines serve to divide. Like, like for example, we're on the wrong side of 130. The wrong side, the Camden side. You know, the 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 part where the brown people and the black people live. That's what, that's what much of the region thinks. I have a friend that lives in Morristown who always locks his door at night. It's only eight miles from Camden, he says. You know, that's how we think. Um, and uh, on Pensock and Talks, it's this Facebook group that I, that I frequent. Um, they're always lamenting that Pensock is becoming Cam Socken. And Cam is a terrible, terrible word. This is, this is how we think. Um, you know, you know the history of a lot of the, these little towns. Oh, do we have the other map? No, we're just gonna we're staying in Greece. You know, but remember how these towns work. You know, the history of the, these towns that all got formed. You know, it's this little cookie cutter, especially right around we, where we are. It's incredibly weirdly divided. If you ever look at the division lines of how municipalities are shaped in this area, it's stupid. Okay, and you're like, why did this happen? And there's lots of reasons, and it might have just been, you know. It just, just kind of happened, you know, and, and you don't really think about it. 
But one of the main reasons, one of the main things that happened was uh, separating off from black and brown people. How can the white people stay, stay safe as white people? That's one of the major impacts uh, in, the, in the shaping of, of, of all the lines around us. Uh, this, this power of the worldly perspective is strong because you know, that all just kind of happened naturally. It all just kind of happened. We don't really know. It, it happens in such complex ways that it's hard to understand. And you're like, I don't, ah. do you ever do that? Ah. I do that a lot. I don't know exactly how this all works. But it seems like I keep getting stuck in the same old way. Uh, I think that a lot of energy is spent today uh, about with, with saying the right thing, you know? The, the energy that we put into addressing some of these lines that get drawn about race, uh, we, we have to get it right. You know, just just say the right thing and don't offend anyone. And th this this goes for uh, especially for white people who are, are scared of being called racist. Like that's a, that's like, you know, the same as some cuss word. You know, no, no one wants to be racist. Um, and, and, and also, I think for for people of color, they don't want to deal with white people's problems with this you know uh this is my i, I don't want to teach you about this i don't and i don't want to offend you I, I just want to hang out let's not talk about it you know um and so we we remain divided the dividing lines effectively divide us and and there are people i don't know who these people are but they're drawing the lines they're digging the trenches you know they're, they're fueling the fires of separation it, it, it's so kind of out of whack out of proportion that i think that you know, it must be some kind of evil power working in the world. There must be a force that has appropriated racism uh, for its ends to keep us divided and to keep us uncreated. God's plan is to make a new creation. And there is something else that wants to uncreate, wants to dismiss, wants to dehumanize, wants to uh, invisibilize the problems and the division lines. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. They did that with Dr. King, y'all. Um, in his, uh, when he was alive, you know, he was killed in 1968, uh, he had an approval rating of, a disapproval rating of like, let's see, I got the exact number. Um, Disapproval rating in 1967 of 75%. 75% said, that Dr. Martin Luther King, he's a rabble-rouser. He messes things up. You know? That, 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 that was the, the U.S. population. Today, it's 95% approval. Dr. King is a saint. We're going to celebrate his holiday today because he made us better. And you know, the work that he started is completely finished. <laughs> We, we put a holiday. No one would be mad if he were on the $20 bill. You know, everything's fine. Everything's fine. But they killed him because he, he, didn't, he, did, he didn't stop at the Civil Rights Act. You know, he wanted to address these basic evils that seemed to be getting everyone by the heart. Uh, the, the triple, uh, the, the giant triplets of racism, poverty, and m militarism. That this quote is from Beyond Vietnam, which was a speech that he gave a year to the day before he was assassinated. Um, Dr. King's strategy for transforming society uh, 
was uh, an intense trust in the new creation. He believed that if he could awaken people's hearts to who they really were, that he could transform uh, the culture. He had a whole idea about this, and he was very, very well studied. You know, he's a doctor, he, and it wasn't honorary. Um, and he, he wrote about it a lot, and he studied about it a lot. He got a lot of ideas from Gandhi. Um, but the idea was, if I show people who I am, if I show people that I'm a human being and the people next to me are suffering, they won't be able to handle it. And it was true. The, a basic strategy for, for their mission was to get television coverage, and the civil rights movement probably couldn't have happened without television, uh, get images of the brutality of Southern officials uh, on TV all over the country. Because when people see that, when people see people being shot with water cannons and people see people being attacked by dogs and being beaten over the head by police paid by the government, they're going to say no. They're going to change their mind. Their indifference is no longer going to be indifference because the seed of, of, of the, the beautiful, beloved community that, that Dr. King imagined was already in their hearts. He, he, he knew that they were human beings and that they would be transformed. So he, did, he had this nonviolent way and it, he had to argue for it. He had to fight for it all the time to get his, his, his um, allies to keep the line on nonviolence, not just because he was a follower of Jesus and he was trying to be a peacemaker, but because he was an activist and he had a strategy for awakening people's hearts. He wanted to transform the enemy. He didn't want to win. And I think we lost the plot on this. We're not following Dr. King on this. Dr. King's legacy uh, is, is failing. And I think it's ours to pick it back up because I think it's the, the most Jesus-y part is the part that's dropping off. Because the righteousness and the justice is still there and the moral outrage is still strong and it ought to be. But now it's about saying the right thing. Getting on the right side of history. If you're not with me, you're against me. And, and I understand why that's a, that's a tempting strategy for activists because it's a life and death matter. Some people's lives are on the line here. We got to act now. We, we got to win. But we could win by force, and it's not, it's not a violent force anymore. It's just kind of like a public opinion force. We're just shaming people into saying the right thing. And if some other leader comes along to awaken their latent hatred or, or their own latent sense of superiority, it'll flame right back up again because we haven't transformed anyone. Because we haven't actually hoped in the, the awakening of that person's true personhood, that person's new creation. And I think that's what we're called to do. We're called to connect and see and love for real, face to face. That's why we organized the church this way. We gotta get face to face. The cell is the place to destroy those lines because we're coming together person to person and loving each other. And if you never have an opportunity to invite someone to your cell that doesn't look exactly like you, you probably need to change your life. Um, and that, but, but it's, it's difficult, you know? Um, it, it's difficult to, 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 to cross these barriers and not just the geographic barriers, but the separation is so deep. And we could just despair. We could think 
there's no way to go. It's, this is the way that we have to go. The, the things that seem natural are just going to keep going. Things are terrible because people are terrible and things have always been terrible. That despair is so real and so tempting. The difficult task that we've been given to do as ambassador and as ambassadors of this new creation, these ministers of reconciliation, bringing people together, righting wrongs, that's what reconciliation means. It's not about getting it right. It's not about saying the right thing and not offending someone. It's actually about offending someone and learning that you offended them and loving them enough to ask for forgiveness and learn. It's about um, putting up with someone even though they don't know anything about this. It's about loving uh, for Jesus' sake even if someone drives you crazy. And that line, I mean, that line is drawn between every individual. It's just deeper between people who are different. And getting across that divide is what Jesus has done in the new creation. He's brought everything together and he's bringing everything together into its fullness. All things, all things are being made new. And if we believe that, if we believe that that hope is real and we can get there, we can try. And that's all he asks us to do. Just keep trying. Don't give up. Don't don't pretend like there's not a problem because it feels more comfortable. Don't only stay to wherever the, the cattle shoot of these roads or the cattle shoot of your upbringing or the cattle shoot of, of your own fear keeps you. Cross the line. Take the risk. Jesus is going to keep you safe. And his love is really going to transform you in those relationships. We are a beacon. There it is. We are a beacon to our region and, and, and doing the shining we were meant, uh, and, 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 and we can do the shining we were meant to do on purpose. We, we can shine on purpose. And, and as we do, I think that we'll, we'll get a sense of Paul's joy when he just exclaims, new creation. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.